Are you a healthcare professional dreaming of entrepreneurial success? Discover how your clinical expertise can be the key to reshaping healthcare leadership. Join us as we unreveal the journey from clinician to innovator, turning skills into business triumph with Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. Your path to transforming healthcare starts here. Welcome to Providers Edge, the podcast that helps healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators break down barriers and control their business, life, and future with valuable action steps. With me, your host Sabrina Rombach, a recovered clinician and a business deal catalyst. Let's rewrite the rules and create a positive social impact while increasing your profitability. Welcome back for another episode. Thank you, thank you for being here with us. You can choose to do anything, and you choose that. So we appreciate you. This is your host Sabrina Rumback, and today we have another exciting guest, Dr. Jonathan、um, Bakhtari, here with us. He is the founder and CEO of E Seven Health and U.S. Drug Test Centers, the national leading drug and alcohol test service provider. And they focus on the seven area of healthcare:、uh, travel medicine, student health, corporate health services, drug testing, STD testing, physical and labs, and vaccinations. And Dr. Johnson has more than twenty years of experience as a medical professional and entrepreneur, and has been a triple board certified physician with specialties in internal medicine. Pulmonary and critical care medicine. So excited! Thank you, thank you for sharing this space with us. No,、oh, thank you, Sabrina. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, I always love to get started into digging into a little bit about like what was the passion, what was the thing that just brought you into this healthcare space, and continue walking down this long path. Yeah, well, initially I was just、uh, a straight arrow where I went to medical school, residency, fellowship, got into clinical practice, which was really is and was、uh, my main love, and then got some opportunities to move into administrative medicine, and then we eventually started,、uh, you know, opening up our own small healthcare companies, which then slowly grew and grew. So it was just one door opening another, but all through sort of. The overlying healthcare theme: clinical, then then administrative, then entrepreneurial. Awesome! And、uh, at what point do you feel like that normal path is for us to join a practice and then organization, whatnot? And then you flip that switch, be like, "I got something. I really need it to create my own." Yeah, you know,、uh, to be frank with you, I get that question quite a bit. But for me, it was never like a epiphany where I just woke up one morning. It was a. It was like watching grass grow. It was a very transitional one step leading to another to another over maybe five, six, seven years because I never knew what was going to be next. I just knew I I like to try different things and expand my horizon. So it wasn't really an overnight thing. It was more of a process over many years. As I was transitioning from clinical medicine into administrative, and then sort of the business side of it, but some of those experiences helped me decide. So, you know, I did a little bit of it and said, "Wow, okay, let's do more and more and more." So it was definitely for me, at least, you know, nothing hit me over the head one day, and I'm like, "Oh, I got to do this." So, but、uh, you know, 
it turned out to be better because it was something that I sort of evolved into and and kind of made sure it was a good fit for me before I actually did it. Yeah, I think many of us were in that space of, hey, um, perhaps clinical medicine is not an all-be-all, and let's take on other opportunities, explore different areas. And then I even go through that journey myself to say, well, I'm kind of burned from just operating. What else can I do? Especially we have multiple other things we're interested in and degrees. Why not actually leverage all the resources? And some people end up going for additional MBAs or even a educational uh, master or PhD, right? And then, so with that, just like you're saying, many of us can do the transferable skill set, and doesn't mean that problem solving is just left in that one domain. We can really help us to formulate teams, to really leading, and to figure out perhaps that barrier in communication. We can shift it into a different degree, and that will help us to move forward. Yeah, especially. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to add to what you're saying because I, what you just said kind of strikes a chord with me because to be in the healthcare field on some level you you acquire all these skills like how to you know the skill sets on how to be a ceo and and how to be a doctor you know giving orders and managing a practice i mean you, in many ways you are a ceo and those I, I like the word you use transferable skills i just think some of my colleagues don't realize how transferable those skills are. And I like the way you put it, because many of the skills I use now, and of course, I, I learn more, but many of the ones I, I use now, I look back during my clinical days, and I'm like, yeah, I was actually, you know, where the buck stops with me, you know, anything that happens to the patient, I own, you know, these kind of things is what CEOs of companies do, you know, everything stops with me, I own everything, I'm responsible, you know, and so, I actually think being in healthcare, especially being in, on the clinical side, um, prepares you a lot more than you realize. I just think a lot of people just cannot take the leap of faith and you know just say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off this train and try something else." Because once you're on that express train, you know you just think there's no getting off. You know, I'm just going to be seeing patients forever and ever and ever, and there's no other way to do healthcare but see patients and. Uh, seeing patients is great, uh, but you can also impact patients other ways. So that that's what I learned. Yes, it's about finding your true purpose in the highest level. And I think one of the study, even uh, for me, someone who I work with is from a business intuitive side, is that actually in America, only 25% of people know their purpose and only 1% know their highest purpose. And sometimes we have to be in that journey of discovery. And if we're not allowing ourselves to see other opportunities and always see them as a potential um, barrier or um, some people can say, oh, that's a waste of time. I'm on this path. They seem to be okay, right? But at some point, um, do we feel like a way that we're too comfortable, right? Or is that comfort actually is going to give you a struggle down the line? How much can you really keep up with that until we innovate, until we step up, until we want to be the front end to actually shape what it needs to be? Well, I think to add to what you're saying is also healthcare providers for the most part, get paid very well. So what you're really is compounded by that because, you know, you're getting paid relatively well to keep doing the same thing. And, you know, what you just said, like, hey, what else can I do? 
but you know at some point you you're thinking why well, am i am i risking the kind of normal income that I'm currently making. And well, I don't know what that other thing's going to look like versus what I have. And, you know, if healthcare providers were scrounging financially, uh, I think some of these things might be, you know, they'd be more receptive to it. But for a lot, at least a lot of my colleagues, they're doing okay. You know, I mean, they're, they may not be killing it, but they're doing okay. They're paying their bills, they're paying their mortgage. Why rock that boat? just to explore your other opportunities. It's it's a very difficult thing and when when the rubber meets the road practically for someone to say, I'm gonna give up the steady paycheck to explore these other opportunities. Uh, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, they may be like you said, uh, you know, burnt out or wanting to explore, but they look at that and they say, well, what about the steady paycheck that I'm getting, uh, how do I deal with that? Exactly. That's just like the different degree of human needs. And some people like the creative side, some people like a sense of security. So when we're talking about true fulfillment and whatnot, yeah, there's a six degree of freedom that you can have. But the sense of security, especially financial side, it is something that we always driven, right? And even creating businesses, all of us, when we actually have evaluate um, healthcare companies, and we first thing as a whole board, we go in to say, okay, show us your financial model, right? Let us see what are you guys actually doing? Because you can talk us up about all the amazing things that you're creating, all the big things you're dry, but from the get-go, the financial legal, if it's not there, how do we trust you for you to go into that multi-A figure, right? And so financial stability definitely is something that we all grab around. And then to think about how is that business model, whatnot. So it definitely can be a challenge. And then even for people like yourself jumping into and have been running um, practices. And what was the thing that for you that gave you that clarity to say, this is the model that we're going for, and this is more aligned to what we wanted to create? Part of, I think, what helped me is I got to see medicine from multiple sides. So um, I had a little more clarity because I had practiced clinical medicine. I was a senior partner in a group. I had uh, been uh, teaching in three medical schools over my career. So I had the sort of assistant clinical professor of medicine and got to see the teaching world. Then the, I became a hospital administrator where I was medical director of hospitals. So I, I was essentially working for the hospitals. And then I became also medical director of insurance companies. I was medical director for Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield for the state of Nevada. And I got to see healthcare from the insurance company side. And I think having the perspective, which I'm, I'm so fortunate to have, of teaching, practicing clinical medicine, working for hospitals, working for the insurance companies, all the major players in healthcare. So when the light bulb hit about this opportunity that we could start a vaccine-related business that nobody else was doing. In an evolving world of healthcare, embracing innovation and technology is crucial for entrepreneurs. It's not just about patient care anymore. Integrating the latest advancements like telemedicine and AI diagnostics is key. The shift demands a practical mindset, eager to explore and implement new solutions. Continuous learning and adaptation are essential, keeping hiding the leading the leading of technology. By focusing on patient-centric, tech-driven models, 
Healthcare entrepreneurs are pivotal in making healthcare more efficient, accessible, and effective. Now, a quick announcement before we move forward: If you are a healthcare entrepreneur or startup founder looking to accelerate your social mission and increase profitability, don't hesitate to reach out to me, Sabrina Rumbach. Find me on LinkedIn and let's connect and discuss how we can expand your healthcare business to the next level. And it was filling a hole that nobody else was taking care of. Uh, the light bulb for me was easier to see because I knew how the insurance companies viewed it. I, I knew from from the clinical side, the teaching side. So I like to think that gave me a little bit of an advantage. So it wasn't. As a you know, just throwing an arrow at something, it, it kind of made sense to me, spoke to me. Exactly, and for you, it's about taking the opportunity and discovering, and then you saw the opportunity. There's a gap, and then how do you fill the gap? You're able to find a solution, and then of course, then the、uh, natural next step is let's create a strategy to actually make things happen, right? And right, then let's、right. get the right people on your team so you can actually implement. That idea into something deliverable and creating that nuance of a clinic that you have right now. And I believe you guys are in Vegas, right? So we have、uh, two brick and mortar in Vegas, and we just launched a virtual、uh, version of our company called E National Testing, which is nationwide connected to two thousand other centers. But yes, our, our brick and mortar operation are, are in Las Vegas. Awesome, that's amazing, right? Many people are moving into the online world, telemedicine、mm-hmm. taking over to be able to serve so many more people when they can't、right. just. Take time off, waiting for us in the office for a long time just to be seen for a,、uh, a shorter moment. Versus telemedicine, you actually have more time with your patients and、mm-hmm. more smoothly jumping into the next one. So, what are your some of the challenges you feel like? Oh, I'm at a good phase place of my business growth, but there's still something that we're still working on. Well, with E Seven Health,、um, you know, we were basically a company before COVID hit. We started in two thousand nine, focusing on adult vaccination, vaccinations as it relates to employee health, student health, travel medicine, and we really realized that nobody was addressing that. And we didn't do primary care, we don't do urgent care, we don't do workman's comp, OCMED. Just focus on vaccine related services. Uh, that are there was really no place to go. Everyone who did what we did it as a side hustle. You know, Walgreens is giving some. You know, they're selling diapers and potato chips and and giving out some vaccines. You know, every for everyone the vaccines is a side thing, versus for us it's the main thing. Now, once COVID hit, people oh adult vaccinations, what a concept! But you know, the CDC reports about fifty thousand vaccine preventable deaths in the United States annually still. And that's you know the same number of people that died in the Vietnam War. I mean, it's a lot of people who are, you know, could adult vaccines could have an impact on. So we focus on that. But what really what really realizes we really needed to write our own technology. So we actually became a technology company. There was nothing off the shelf that we could use that would really work for us. So we were starting off with Excel spreadsheets and. Uh, there, it was really bad, and so we, within a matter of、uh, just a year or two, we became a software development company, a technology company, 
And that's really made the difference. So, you know, there's a reason we have um, literally th thousands of Google reviews at uh, essentially five stars, mainly because people interact with our technology. They can't believe it. They can't believe we exist. We've tried to make our clinics uh, very Amazon-esque, you know, where you just basically, you know, go online, book an appointment. Literally, you can show up the same day. We don't have a billing department. We don't have a medical records department. Our technology does both. So uh, it's it's really, you know, if you wanted to check on Amazon, what you bought a year ago, what would you do? You you wouldn't call Amazon. So with same thing with us, if you want to check your medical records, you just log on to your portal. Uh, you know, we don't give you a clipboard when you come to our waiting room. You know, everything's on your phone or, you know, we give you an iPad. I mean, we really have taken all the friction out of the system while focusing on these uh, vaccine-related books of business that no one else is taking that seriously. So I think we've grown our technology to the point that it's scalable. So uh, our next step is uh, to open more stores regionally and, and beyond. So, uh, But we didn't want to do that until we got all the technology down. And I'm really proud that we've made this much progress. Yeah, congratulations definitely for that. And tell me more about the technology. Does it seem like uh, from what I'm hearing, it's integration of electronic medical record and revenue cycle all in one place. Do you also deliver the vaccine when they're, when you, especially now you're going to the online market, do you uh, somehow, if people are out of state, you end up delivering to them or how does that usually work? No. So what we did with the online portion is we did all the stuff that doesn't actually involve brick and mortar operations. So we can't do the physical, we can't do the vaccines, but all the laboratory testing, the quantiferon, the titers, uh, you know, the blood counts. So we've basically, if you go to enationaltesting.com, you can basically order any kind of clinical test, allergy testing, fertility package, just a CBC, whatever you need. Uh, we have a doctor and all licensed in every state. So uh, we get the authorization and um, that you're able to go in the same day, get it. You can get your cholesterol results in no time in your portal. So the laboratory portion, uh, we sort of turned into an Amazon kind of situation. In terms of growing the vaccines and physicals, obviously that's the next phase of uh, creating more brick and mortar locations to include those. But until we got that out, we wanted to at least get the laboratory portion out nationwide. So we created another entity called enationaltesting.com, which can do that right now. So if you went to that website, literally um, you could order a, a CBC, a cholesterol panel, allergy testing, and um, walk in, get it done, and and have the results in a, in a day or two. So we did that, but now we're pushing to then grow the E7 brick-and-mortar locations now that our technology is really at an amazing point. And by the way, we don't just integrate our EHR. We've created our own EHR, which then integrates with you know QuickBooks, point-of-sale software, uh, which uh, integrates with the state database. So what we've done is we've written our own technology. So when you interact with us, you, everything is proprietary. We own it. There was nothing off the shelf that made sense for us, mainly because most off the shelf products uh, are so worried and tied into health insurance. And since almost everything we do is ins insurance for the most part doesn't cover or doesn't cover well, so we don't have to deal with it. And we're also a big portion of our business is B2B. Companies hire us 
you know, counties, cities hire us to do all their employment testing. And so none of that's covered by insurance anyway. So I think what makes our software great is we're not trying to make Medicare happy. We're not trying to make Medicaid happy. We can focus on making the client, the patient, and my staff happy. And if you've ever written software, you realize you can only have one or two prime directive, right? So, I mean, you've, you've practiced clinical medicine. So if I came to you and said, listen, I have a new electronic health records. It will make your life easier. It will make the patient's life easier, but your Medicare reimbursements will go down 5%. You would never bite because all you care about is the reimbursement, right? So healthcare technology is, yes, they want to make everyone's life easier, but their number one concern for healthcare technology is maximizing reimbursements from third parties, whether it's government or not. And if you exclude that from your software development, can you imagine you can just focus on reducing friction for the patients, for your staff, and for your 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 retail clients as well as your business clients. So it's a real opportunity to try to really replicate what Amazon does, right? I mean, Amazon three clicks and you're there, right? Why why do we order if we need a hammer? Why do we go on Amazon? Because boom, 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 they have your credit card, everything, boom, and you get it. And the question is, why can't healthcare be like that? It's about taking control, right? Like it, it, in a sense, is instead of relying on all these extra um, insurance going in, and then you still have an out-of-pocket cost, how much is that covering and go jumping through hoops of that? And these things are already not going to really cover that much, but we know how important they are. I remember back in when I was a student, I was in the uh, internal medicine clinic and doing all the consultation on travel vaccines, right? Pulling up all the CDC guidelines um, because I was such a frequent traveler since I was younger. So it was like something I'm always involved in and interested at. And it's also about, yes, you might have to pay out of pocket, but you have to do that anyway. But now it's cutting down the steps and time for you to, instead of going to a primary care doctor, sitting down with them, they don't have those vaccines anyway. You have to then get assigned to someone else now it's more collectively easy to get everything done. And if it's just laboratory testing and these additional things, even for myself, I will have my blood work sent to my functional medicine doctor to read it and then Mm -hmm. have a discussion with me, then go back to primary care, right? So we do need that type of holistic view of what are the components? How is technology, when we do build it, which side is actually helping us in which domain? And compliance, it is a big issue. And then, but if we can cut some of that part away, it actually make all of us life so much easier. And that also go back to um, running anything is not going to be one person. I think with your expertise in different organizations, definitely bring on the right people, creating your own executive team or managerial team is very important. So what was the major decision that you have be able to bring in the right people on board and continue to find the new ones? Oh my gosh. Uh, do we have a few extra hours to this podcast so I can t- get answer that question? Uh, so to answer that question, I actually, I, I get this question quite a bit. And so uh, I have, you know, I have my own podcast called Bacteria MD and season two 
I finally decided because I get this question about building culture. How do you hire? How do you get the owner's mentality? How do you mentor senior leadership? So season two of my podcast is called Crash CEO School, which uh, I just we just launched the third episode. I've got about 10 more to go uh, just on this topic, which you the question you just asked me, you know, how do you enroll people in your vision? How do you identify? How do you mentor you know, how do you hire? How do you fire? How do you build culture? Uh, and so the, it's, it's, I wish someone had taught me that when I started, because when you're starting out as a clinical person, you're like, okay, well, everybody's a professional and everybody, you know, is all in and, you know, just, you just hire and pray and everything will work out. Nothing could be further from the truth. And hiring and praying is not a strategy. Yeah, it's not a strategy. And then the, so even when I build uh, executive boards, and then we have this proprietary process of multiple level of evaluation. And we think as most people say, yes, spiritual, mental, physical, we're like, there's a lot more than that, right? And then right. because everyone coming in with a great CV, I can have someone who's like, mm -hmm. yes, I'm the, this person, that person with all this title was like 20 years experience. I'm like, yeah. great. Everyone got that, right? A lot of people have, have that. Right. But how are you going to be the perfect fit for this board, for this company, for these founders right. who have yeah. different type of ideas, expertise? Right. And so we actually do a whole entire thing. So I agree with you. Those are like long conversation that also <laughs> anybody who's paid attention go to uh, your podcast for season two and listen to those episodes um but yeah th those are interesting things definitely um if you have one big takeaway from that journey what was it well first of all being a ceo and men and enrolling people is not a soft skill people think oh I'm I'm going to be good at this because I'm likable or people like me or whatever that, you know, of course you need that. If you're not likable, it's not going to work or, you know, people like to talk to me or, you know, whatever. Or, but th those are not transferable in terms of you mentoring and enrolling people into your vision. It, there's a whole new set of skills like you were in thoracic surgery, right? The success of a healthcare business hinges on its culture and team. It's not just about innovative idea, but creating an environment for them to thrive. This means identifying and nurturing talent, fostering innovation and collaboration, and ensuring the team aligns with the company's vision. Effective leadership, clear communication, and understanding team dynamics are key. A supportive environment where each member contributes their best is vital. Focusing on culture and team building is essential for healthcare leaders. And it significantly affects the business effectiveness and long-term success. Now, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our podcast today on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest insight. Together, let's rewrite the rules for your business and create positive social impact in the healthcare industry. All right, let's get back to the rest of our show. So you can't intuitively do open heart surgery because you're a nice guy, right? Be, right? I'm a nice guy, so of course I can do open heart surgery. You need skills, no matter how nice you are. So I think being a CEO, being a leader, I think a lot of people think it's a soft skill, right? You know, I, you know, I have a nice smile. People like me. I have a good sense of humor. Uh, and it was my idea anyway. So for sure, I should be the CEO, right? 
And what happens is like, oh no, I mean, you wouldn't land a 747 because you, people like you, right? I mean, you wouldn't do open heart surgery because people like you, right? It doesn't matter people like you or you have good people skills. Of course, it's necessary. You need that. Without that, yes, you're toast. But then you need skills as certain skills like you know, how do you mentor people? You know, how do you enroll them into your vision? How, how do you identify people who, you know, have potential but need your mentoring? I always say, you know, don't micromanage, micro mentor, you know, where you have to invest. You can't just hire a director of marketing, meet with them for an hour, and then send them to their office for the next three months. That's not a recipe for anything but bad stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to invest in them. Especially if you have, you know, you're, you have a vision and you have knowledge of what you're doing. I always say, you know, people look at you as a leader and they size you up, right? No one's giving their left kidney to your company if they don't think you're all in it yourself or you're an ethical person. You know, uh, my favorite saying is before people decide what they think of what you're saying, they decide what they think of you. And, you know, how are you coming off? Right. Are you like taking three hour lunches and, you know, are you not responding to emails after five o'clock? And, you know, and then but then you're like, oh, you want all these people to be like, you know, enrolled into your company and 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 you're not there or or whatever. But there's so much to it. I mean, just picking a few things, but it's not a soft skill is probably the takeaway. You have to acquire those skills. I acquired them the hard way by just bungling through the first few years of, you know, like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, I, I get that. Okay. And then you pay tuition that way. You know, I recommend not paying tuition that way. I recommend <laughs> learning the skill sets. Great point. Amazing point is um, we always say, especially when company grown to a certain size and then it's like, ooh, then you feel like you're hit a ceiling. So at what point is it to actually replace your CEO and get the right people on board so you can actually see that accelerated growth? And so that can be a challenge. And versus uh, when we talk about the top of the ladder or the top of top of the company, mm -hmm. it could be that CEO is not the right CEO. However, it's because it's such an integrated part, we always think as a triad, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a technically three persona, the visionary, right? The, I just see it. I know the problem. This is my idea, just like you're saying. Then the next triad on that leg is actually the impact creator, the person that everyone likes to create connections, business development, right? Like they are the strategist, but we're also missing the last leg, which is the person who can break down all the ideas down to the detailed process, making the right dots and connect the right resource and right people to actually create impact. So when you're thinking about that, most people cannot sit out in three seats. They really mm -hmm. need to create their three leg of triad for them to get into that highest level. And um, so that's like a whole conversation that we can talk about another time, um, <laughs> which um, it's just amazing how much we can do and how humans are interactive with each other. And then we can really see the impact and growth, right? That's why we always 
believe in collective genius, believe in collaboration, because at the end of the day, it's the people around you, the right people on your board, the right people on your management team, the right people on the doer level that truly creates who you are as a company. And that's the representation of what you are really saying to the, our listeners is you have to set yourself as the leader. You have to role model the way so everybody else can truly agree and jump on board and continue to be in that level of high performance with you. Thank you so much for this lovely interview. Exciting different topics to learn about E7 and the, all the amazing things that you guys are creating, um, taking it to the telemedicine, able to provide testing for all states, and uh, can't wait to see what else you guys have coming up in the pipeline. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sabrina. It was so much fun. The journey from clinical medicine to healthcare entrepreneurship is crucial for the future of healthcare. It's about skill leverage, embracing innovation, conquering financial fears, and creating a visionary team. Here's a quick summary of the five major points we discussed. Number one, transitioning from clinician to entrepreneurial in healthcare isn't a leap, but a natural progression. It's about acquiring new skills and embracing a different role, all while keeping that entrepreneurial spirit alive. Number two, healthcare professionals, did you know that your skills are gold in the business world? Managing a practice, decision-making, these are CEO-level skills, and they are crucial for thriving in healthcare entrepreneurship. Number three, innovation and technology are game-changers in healthcare. It's not just about patient care anymore. It's about how tech can make healthcare delivery smarter and more efficient. Number four, overcoming financial fears. The jump from a steady paycheck to the uncertain world of entrepreneurship is daunting, but it's a step you need to take for innovation and growth in healthcare. Number five, building a team that shares your vision is the key to success in healthcare business because it's not just about a great idea. It's equally about building a team that aligns with your vision. Remember, creating the right culture is just as crucial as having an amazing idea itself. What do you think is the most crucial skill for a clinician transitioning to healthcare entrepreneurship? Take a screenshot of this podcast and share your thoughts in a LinkedIn post, then tag me, Sabrina Rumbach. I would love to join you in a conversation to steer these successful plans toward a brighter, more efficient future for clinicians who turned innovators. Thank you for tuning in to Providers Edge podcast. We hope you enjoy our latest episode and found the insights and tips helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and learn what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. So please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and let us know what you think. Your feedback is essential to help us improve the show and provide you with the content you need to take your healthcare business to the next level. Thank you for your support and we look forward to hearing from you soon.